Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At your rubber dildo hand? I don't, we don't necessarily have to talk about <laughs> Doc it. Doc Johnson's sex toy hand? Yeah. Uh-huh. You don't want to talk about I mean, that? We, we can talk about that if we want. Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead, the ones who live on AMC and AMC Plus, as they want to distinguish those two things, apparently. Uh, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. Aaron, we're, we're delving back in. We have dipped our toes yet again into the murky waters of The Walking Dead. Uh, I... <laughs> How do you feel about this? How do you feel about that in general? Just getting into another Walking Dead show, and how do you feel about the show uh, proper? So you far? know, I have come full circle, and after my experiences with season nine and season ten, the Whisper plot, um, I I kind of had my love for the Walking Dead reignited a little bit, and now we're getting back to like the characters who I've loved since the beginning, like Rick. You know, he's one of the he's one of the few OGs. Uh, mm-hmm. Him and Daryl, kind of it. Him and Daryl and Carol, I should say. Mm-hmm. And Michonne is essentially pretty OG. Uh, joined in season two, and uh, I found I had a two? kind of a it was the prison season. Was it at the very end of that season? I think she came in the very end of Herschel. Like as the far they were fleeing the farm, they ran. Someone ran into her when they were fleeing from that. But it's yeah, somewhere I between she showed up at the gates of the prison, but. I, you I might be right. Be wrong. Um, I wouldn't swear. That, that was like 15 years ago, man. Yeah, um, that was a long time. But I found as I was sitting down to the couch to watch this, I had a little bit of a smile on my face where it's like, this is going to be, it could be good. Mm-hmm. Um, it it could be a disaster, but like I feel like I have all the tools I need to make an entertaining podcast no matter what. As long as they don't give me mediocre shit, I can, mm. I can do something entertaining. Um. And then I actually watched the episode, and I think it does a really good job. Rick is a great character um, who is played by a very good actor, and they are essentially hitting on all the themes that they've worked his entire life. Like Rick's whole white meat versus dark meat philosophy is thrown into his face. Um, his uh, his He's kind of like this Sisyphusian Cincinnatus figure where he constantly is doesn't want to be the leader. I don't want to be the boss. I don't want power. I just want to live with my family and my people and and do that kind of stuff. I want to be the farmer, but I always have to pick up this fucking sword and he always has to do it. Um like this these tensions between he deep down believes in all of humanity versus the dead, right? Mm-hmm. But also deep down wants to be with his family and doesn't he wants other people to rise up and do that so he doesn't have to, but he always has to. Um, I like that. I like that. Um, having said that, there is still some Scott Gimple like this man fully allergic 
to telling a story in chronological order. <laughs> yeah. And I ask you what benefit we got from the flashback nature rather than just telling us the story from five years after the bridge straightforward. You mm-hmm. know, I don't I don't understand why we had to jump back and forth, back and forth. It, it but yeah, Rick, I mean, Andrew Lincoln is really good. Like um, I knew I was in for a good time. Um from the scene where he put the glass knife or like the, the, the shard of glass to his neck. That's a particularly fine piece of acting. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, yeah, there's a lot of other little bonus things. I, I like how we collapse the comic universe back to the show universe. Rick has lost his hand. Yeah. Uh, it's not yep. his right hand, uh, but he's lost his, his left hand. Um, I think that was cool. And I also, I got a couple other thoughts, but I want to get back to you first. Um, what did you think of The Ones Who Live? Uh, I liked it quite a bit as well. Um, I'm, I'm going to throw out the caveats before I talk about the things that I really like. There are definitely some some storytelling caveats here that I am, as we talked about on our True Detective podcast, giving sort of a little bit of grace to to see how they play this out, um, specifically with Michonne and missiles and armor piercing missiles at that. I, all that stuff is like the stuff that makes the walking dead, like, Oh, the walking dead in my book and everything else in this episode is stuff that makes me sit up and say, this is what the walking dead could have been. This is, this feels more like the Darabont, style of walking dead where everything is more grounded and and grounding not having dick biting sword swinging ninja idiots come in and make this a comic book ass show Mm. is kind of the thing that i love about it when when we can just get into characters and motivations and a dark horrible world where people have to do things that they don't like doing because if they don't everyone could be dead or they could be dead all that grounded stuff is the stuff that I wish we got for the last 11 seasons, and they're bringing it back here. This is really solid storytelling, in my opinion. Yeah, you're a long-term fan of The Watching Dead. You'll know that that's one thing that I was really yearning for in the middle part of The Walking Dead. Like, why are they so afraid to move things to post, like, camping out in the woods apocalypse? Why can't we get a civilization going? Why can't we explore restarting humanity? It looks like The Walking Dead is doing that in some of its other projects. Like, you know, the world beyond um, mm-hmm. not successfully. It doesn't seem like, but they're at least getting there now. It's just a shame that they're doing it with, you know, shittier budgets, shittier casts, shittier writing than they should have had. Um, but, but yeah, I, I like, um, I, and I also am a little bit annoyed that it does seem like they're telling the story that the CRM is another corrupt organization yeah. that, that Rick's going to have to take down from the inside. Like, you know, at some point, the show, when you scale up these societies, like, shouldn't the cream rise to the crop? Why is it always the fucking governors and the warlords and that that end up running things and doing shady shit? Uh, but yeah, I, mean, I, I probably for the same reasons it happens in our world. You know, those are the yeah. people who seek power and therefore those are the people who get it. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it has the makings of a really compelling show for me. I just know that it's going to go off the rails at some point. It's going to get back to its comic book roots. You're going to have, I mean, Pollyanna McIntosh is a big part of the show and I, nothing against her, but the way that they use her in this show is absurd. It's absurd. I mean, she's, she plays Jadis. 
Like mm-hmm. Jadis, as far as I know, was had a big arc in season two of the World Beyond, and is coming over to this as as you know part of the CRM. We're going to see her. She's a regular in the cast. I've seen the photos of her, and her haircut is absurd. Just absolutely, she looks like a muppet, a deranged muppet. It's, it, it it's it's. Why do we have to have everything? And and I I don't want to talk about <laughs> Andrew Lincoln's. Rubber dildo hand. I don't. We don't necessarily have to talk about <laughs> it. Doc Johnson sex toy hand. Yeah. Uh-huh. You don't want to talk I about mean, that. We, we can talk about that if we want. It's those oh, things that I'm like. Well, let's just jettison that stuff. The silliness, the ridiculousness of it, and let's tell a really good story here. Yeah. The Walking Dead just can't help itself, right? And I have a feeling when we get to the next episode, this. The what I loved about this episode is going to kind of fall by the wayside, and we're going to be back to your standard Gimple run, Mazera run, schlock. That's what I think is going to happen in this show. But for now, I really enjoyed it. Can I inject the element of hopium into the, this equation, please? So this three episode, the six episode arc was originally conceived as a three a trilogy of movies. Mm-hmm. And we've seen how badly things... Well, you haven't. I'm going to make you watch it one of these days. But uh, we, I've seen how badly things can go when they have an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie that they then inflate into a six-part miniseries and they forget to write more plot. So Ooh. it's just a two-hour plot over a six-hour runtime and it's the fucking mm-hmm. worst. Yeah. This, I'm wondering, is going to benefit from... This was originally conceived as a trilogy of movies... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's now a six episode miniseries. I'm hoping that what they did is they took each script, busted it into two episodes. So you have a nice little mid midpoint retention where it's like, oh, we've Rick and Michonne are back together and you're going to have a really bang up finale at episode two. And then the same thing repeated for episode three and four and five and six. Mm-hmm. The the then if someone wants to come in and say, well, that's not hopium, that's its uh, counterfeit element copium. The copium side of that is actually Gimple and the executive said, you know, what's better than a trilogy of movie is a trilogy of six episode miniseries. And we're going to get six hours of plot busted up into 18 hours of television. And that's if they are successful at, uh, you know, getting people to watch this one. So I'm hoping that this is going to be this was the full trilogy told in six installments and that's a lot of plot and it's going to be action packed and it's going to I like that Denai and Andrew have been very in, uh, involved in the writing uh, like if you if you take the behind the scenes at the word Andrew Lincoln saying these are the, this was the result of many conversations that he and Gimple and Denai had when they were filming The Walking Dead and questions like what's happening here, what's happening there and it's something that they've developed it's why they're all three sharing uh, story credits. It's why Deny is well, one of the the listed writers of I think episode two and four. So I, I I'm hoping that we don't have because like it's not necessarily Gimple's fault that AMC wanted them to you know cover the the comics at a glacial pace and mm-hmm. to exp, you know do uh, sixteen episodes off of an eight episode budget. Um, so yeah, maybe. Because uh, this show looks better, like it's noticeably better looking than late stage Walking Dead. Um, the acting yeah. is so far phenomenal, and and I'm I'm I think the story is cool too. So we'll and see. It could go off the rails. 
you know, not having multiple miniseries and this is just them dipping their toe is that I don't know that Deny and Andrew are going to want to do that much of this show, especially Deny. I mean, Deny's career has taken off since The Walking Dead. Sure. Uh, Andrew Lincoln, I, I feel like he's been surpassed by a couple of the stars uh, from The Walking Dead. I mean, John Bernthal is a pretty big sure. star now, too. So, like, oh. maybe he might want to do it, but I can't see Deny wanting to do multiple seasons of this show when she's got a big movie career going. Yeah, but what if they get Andrew and then she does this one swan? Yeah, I am saying, like, I, maybe, I don't believe maybe. that. I think that would just be stupid even by AMC standards that, like, you are trying to fan the, you know, the flames back to this fandom when you just got uh, this, this embers in cold mm-hmm. ash. It would be beyond stupid to do a whole bunch of filler shit with your main characters like yeah. this. Yeah, this is your. Ch- I hope AMC realize that this is the chance to reignite the franchise. If they're they're going to be massive interest in Rick and Michonne coming back and a mini ep- if they can sell people that this is a good time and you can you can you can you, you can trust this franchise again. That would be awesome. But mm. but. Again, the copium comes in, and like, when has AMC ever done that? So, yeah, and I still think it's going to be that comic book show, right? I mean, yeah, they they got rid of Darabont early on. The Walking Dead has never been that kind of show since. Um, they've turned it into a very comic booky show, and a lot of people like that. You know, That's, yeah, you can tell that successfully too. That's not an unsuccessful show, but you know, like, I mean, like, sure, sure. At this point, you either knew, you either agree with us on what happened between seasons three and seasons nine, or you don't. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, if they, if they if they just do if they just come back with like season seven, season eight, throat clearing, and oh, we got an awesome finale, we had an awesome premiere and an awesome finale. I don't think that's going to cut it. I think all mm-hmm. the projects going forward are going to just kind of start losing more and more audience numbers and spiral and spiral until AMC decides it's not worth the pulls the plug. But this could yeah, be the start of a, right a, not a golden age, but a silver age of the walking dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, it feel like a conversation maybe we should have after as a summation of everything. So maybe we should just get into the recap. Why not? Don't shamble away. We'll be right back. Since the dawn of time, we've been putting clothes on our back that identify us with our people, our group, our tribe. And why Bald Move might be one of the smallest, weirdest tribes out there, transcending all concepts of border, class, culture, and creed, we still have respect for the old ways. At support.baldmove.com, you can get t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more. We have something for every one of our podcasts, or just wear the four pips of the Bald Move logo with pride. Bald Move merch beats running around naked. And they make a great gift for the Bald Move fan in your life. Join our tribe. Head over to support.baldmove.com and click on merch to start shopping. The Hungry Ones will feast. We're back with The Watching Dead. All right, we start off with Rick sitting, staring out the window in an apartment, saying, I tried over and over and over. Uh, and then he tries to cut his throat with a piece of glass, but he can't bring himself to do it. 
this is, like you said, is a fairly fine piece of acting. No one has ever complained about Andrew Lincoln's acting, although I do have some some points later on where I'm going to go, interesting choices, sir. But <laughs> as as it sits here in this apartment, I yeah, I was very impressed. I don't know why we have to open here. Again, I, I don't. I'm asking, mm-hmm. now that we're in the episode, why do we do the out of, like, this is just... This is just Scott Gimple aping better storytellers. The best. Uh, this is him wanting to be Christopher Nolan. And this is a, a constant <laughs> thing that they've been doing on The Walking oh, Dead yeah. since, like, you know, mid season two, certainly some three on, where it's just like, you're just going to do this. Um, as, as I love this acting scene. Like, it's, I, I can tell every single thought that's going through Rick's head as he's yep. talking himself into it, as he puts it onto the net, as he, as he tries to steal himself up. And then, and it's, it's, it's undercut by, he essentially does the same thing again with the uh, left hand. And then they literally do the same thing. When we finally catch up into the stream of time, we see this un completely unedited played back. And I'm just like, man, imagine if yeah. we got slowly introduced into Rick and he's doing his cleaning and, you know, uh, the, the, we, we see him like maybe do a montage of him trying to escape. And we already saw the one in the mud. They could probably do that in a minute or two as a cold open. And then, you know, maybe the right before the credits is him chopping the arm off. And like, if they just told it, in sequence because if this came at the middle of the episode where you really feel Rick at that low point it'd be so powerful but it's most like it just comes off as 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 impressive as it is it's a stunt where it is at the show and then when it is in the proper sequence it's robbed of its impact because you've seen it already yeah I mean it gives it a new context I guess um when you see it the second time I if I'm if I'm playing devil's advocate for this scene because I do think a lot of the time it's used without much thought or without enough thought, I should say. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you get like the scoff. The scoff is the thing that really gets me. When when he puts it to his neck, he realizes, he decides not to do it and he scoffs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, first time around, I'm just like, well, Rick's not that guy. Rick can't, Rick can't take himself out of the game. Mm-hmm. The second time around, I'm seeing, oh, no, they they actually won. You know, they they beat Rick because he can't kill himself and he's trapped here. So now he's got to go along with their path for him. And so there's like a little bit of a change of context there that I think is interesting. It doesn't warrant that that uh, kind of out of order storytelling. I don't know, but I did see a it's new tough. It. It's tough. And I, I would just come back with like how much more powerful would that realization of him one being if you're like, I, I don't. Like, I, I don't know if the contrast between how I feel about Rick almost committing suicide, not, and then 30 minutes later doing it. And I'm like, oh, now I got the full context of how, you know, ridiculous it is. And I've got the voiceover um, helping me tell, like, what he's feeling. Ah, I don't know. Yeah. The voiceover, I get it for, like, efficiency's sake. They've got a lot of ground to cover here. They yeah. have years and years of ground. And they want to get us caught up in this first episode. And not just caught up, but, like, past the point. Where, where now comes in, right? <laughs> like they say yeah. now, and then I feel like we're even beyond that uh, at the end of this episode. Yeah, so there's an efficiency thing there, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the episode's about breaking Rick, and uh-huh. I think this the change in context of the two scenes works fairly well for me in order to like understand that, oh, that's exactly what happened here. 
And I also know that there's a whole like two, three seasons of World Beyond where I think they've established a CRM as a shady organization. Um, yeah, but like, I haven't seen that. I felt like maybe a better way to go with the many, many new people tuning in is to let that kind of play out naturally rather than have this, you know, where you see Rick and he's suicidal and it feels like he's a suicidal about this and it's, you know, about the city, Omaha, that's fallen and that there's like mm-hmm. explosions. And then we see Rick talking about the helicopters that leave with bombs and don't come back with the ordinance. And yeah, I felt like they were really putting the thumb on the scale where it might have been more effective if Rick was a little bit more ignorant and innocent of the machinations. But I, again, I don't know if maybe 99% of the people watching the show are world beyond fans. And that would be tedious to try to like, go. We're going to, but yeah, Yeah, I've not seen any of that stuff. So there are a couple of points in this episode that I think I'm assuming or watching for things that I shouldn't be because I don't have the background information about the CRM. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we'll get to that point actually pretty quickly in this episode. Also just before like having the evil windmills at night, I thought was a little too like it's, <laughs> I wish I'd seen those at first and like an innocent, you know, where Drick's just sitting in the park and looking and it's So, cause I always, when I see windmills, uh, I see the future. Cause I yeah. grew up reading popular mechanics and the cities of the future were always these geodesic glass domes with these giant wind turbines and they're all the green city spaces and everything was green. And it's like, that's to me says, it's clean, it's comforting, it's safe. It's like, I love seeing a windmill farm. And I think it'd be really cool to see kind of like, yeah, they're doing the city of the future and they're, they got this bombed out Philadelphia that they're reclaiming and it's all bright and sunny and then later see the evil side of the windmill. But um, they kind of, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I'm not a big fan of them telling things out out of chronological order because i just seen them fuck it up so many times. Yeah, fair. Uh, then we get the intro which is interesting. It's kind of unlike anything we've seen on The Walking Dead before. It looks like it's got a sort of CRT television filter on it. It's very lo-fi. There's a lot of stuff that we're seeing of the state of the U.S. on maps. Um, There is, you know, just a lot of Rick and Michonne imagery, which is appropriate. Them being an iconic couple. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. I've always thought that the intros for this show, no matter how stupid the actual content of the season, have been very strong. Very visually interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And I even like, there's they even do a little bit of storytelling here where there's headlines saying the CRC candidates are calling for CRM oversight, showing that the military institution might be a bit beleaguered, you know? Uh, there's a tension mm-hmm. between the civilian and the military uh, that seems like it's always resolved in favor of the military and uh, maybe Rick can be a figure for change. Yeah. Um, so let's go to the next scene, five years after the bridge, and they don't really need to explain the bridge. We all remember the bridge, right? Uh, if not, you see a couple of flashbacks to it. Um, consignee Rick Grimes is out on a clearing mission for the Civic Republic. Uh, he wants to escape, but they have him on a leash. So he cuts off his hand to get away. It's all for nothing, though, because he doesn't make it 50 feet before he's recaptured. This, I'm sure, was a huge moment for all the comic book fans. It's a moment that they've been waiting over a decade for. Probably yeah. were still salty about not getting in the, the very beginning of the show. But Rick, if you didn't know, in the comics, loses his hand. Has to cut Pretty it off. early on, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, real early. 
Which is also ironic because this is um, Robert Kirkman says this is one of his, if not most greatest regret in the comics that like that was such an awesome scene. But also it really limits what you can do with Rick as a man of action, believably Mm -hmm. um, in the zombie apocalypse. So it's like they are this. That's why this is one of the things that feels final is like them going for the chopped off hand. Rick is like them knowing that they're at the end and they don't need him to carry any kind of weight. So. But True. it is. I, I, as a comic book fan, um, you know, I, I read up until the Whisper arc is when I and, and I, I do want to go back and, and finish that up at some point. But yeah, I, I got a big smile on my face when I saw what they were going and what they're going mm-hmm. for. I didn't know if they had the guts to actually do it uh, until he actually did the chop. And then I, and then I was wondering, OK, is this some kind of dream? Is this a fantasy? I kept waiting for them to roll it back with the dream sequence. Yep. And they didn't, which speaks well for the project, because that would have been. Yeah, I'd have been thinking this is going to be a long six episodes, man, if they had done oh, that. Oh, God. And you combine that with the Michonne dreams that are happening here and his uh-huh. actual like traumatic flashbacks. It would have been a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and Andrew Lincoln puts on a torment clinic. He's very good at this yeah. where, you know, the whole like you can tell he's a man beside himself where. He doesn't really want to chop off his hand with this superheated axe. It's he knows it's mm. going to hurt. He knows it's going to be a bad deal, but he keeps on saying it's the only way. It's the only way. Um, and then him just kind of muling around on the ground with his bleeding stump. And I, and I knew what was going to happen the second I saw these ignited delts. Yeah, uh, these zombies are called. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's all these shambling zombies that have like intense glowing parts of char on them. Like they just walked out of a forest fire or some shit. And he goes to one that's got like its whole belly is consumed by this, 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 this chain reaction, this, this fire. And he sticks his stump into it to cauterize. Uh, Oh, yeah. Pretty fucking metal. Also, I don't know where the zombie blood stops and the cauterization begins, but I guess that's all right. Uh, I don't know how these ignited delts look uh, work. It seems like it, right. Like how it's does cool acid as, blood work, you know. Dude, I mean, that's a little bit like so. Like the as cool as the imagery was, where the zombie slowly dying as its body consumes and fire, but its skull is glowing from the fire within it. How in the hell is the zombie still alive? Especially when you consider that they have killed zombies with hot cars in Atlanta. Uh, yes, like, I, and I know we, your, like your dog dies when you yeah. leave it in the car. That kills a zombie. Yeah, I don't know, man. But if your brain is fire, if it's re- yeah. literally like Kingsford charcoal, and you're just ready to get the wieners out, I don't see how those things are sending <laughs> any kind of signal to the brain. Um, yeah, just the eyes are burning. I don't know. And it's all for naught because he's eventually taken into custody. Um, mm-hmm. Can we talk about the new terminology for zombies? Deltas. Delts. Delts. I don't think they ever even actually say Delta, but you can assume that's what mm-hmm. they, this is shorthand for. I thought about it, like, why would they use Delta for the dead? And the most obvious one didn't occur first, but I did research. And I guess they're uh, on army bases. There's threat levels, threat con, and it starts at Alpha, and the maximum is Delta. goes Alpha, Alpha Bravo, Charlie, oh. Delta. Delta is it's not what an I imminent attack or the base is actually being overrun. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So, like, these are the deltas, you know. These are, this is the threat condition. But then someone pointed out that it's also NATO phonetic alphabet for D. Yep. So, Which, whiskey delta would be walking dead. They're just deltas mm-hmm. or delts. 
Yeah, which also kind of lends itself to Zeds, which I've heard a lot of uh, zombie mm. media call them, uh, mm. especially the British stuff, uh, the sure. European stuff. Yeah, they call them Zeds uh, for zombies, just Zs. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, it took me a second to to go, oh, they must be saying Delta, and that must mean dead, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. I like it. It gives it a military feel, too, which befits the CRM. Yeah, and it's not... And crucially, it's not stupid. It's not just like... Rotters. Boy, stinkers. Yeah, uh, right, right. Just another stupid name. This has an in-world context for why they would call them that. Not just, yeah. oh, I don't know, Trudy made up a name one day and it's stuck. Uh-huh. We call them the walking stinkies. Mm-hmm. The bite, the bite, the bitey whiteies. <laughs> right. <laughs> they also call Eugene that. <laughs> he uh, is the bitey whitey. <laughs> oh man, do you think? Do you think uh, the The Walking Dead would have sold a uh, hundred million copies uh, in comic books if it was called the Whitey Bites? The Bitey Whiteys. Yes, Robert Kirkman's the Bitey Whiteys. Maybe two hundred. Maybe two hundred. Uh, all right, let's. Oh, 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 here's the other thing. I know why they did it. Um, but maybe they did it obviously so Rick can chop his hand off. Uh, but maybe attach the leash to like a leg or a torso if yeah. you really don't want somebody running off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can Belt, run without a hand. Harness, collar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you can't run without a head for yeah. long. And you're right. If you put it on his leg, he's done for. You're not gonna. Yeah, you're not gonna get away if you chop off your left leg, left arm, right. left left uh, foot. Uh, Rick meets Michonne in a dream. At least I think this is a dream. It seems to be after several of these scenes. Uh, she's sitting on a park bench, and he comes up and asks her for directions. And there's a short conversation here, and she asks, "Are you where you want to be?" He says, "Yes." Because I guess because he's with her. I mean, this is I can't tell when this is happening. Is this happening throughout the entire sequence? I don't like the five know. years or whatever, because I don't I don't know whether this is just Rick like in a dream because st- like I got a couple theories about this. What What are your theories on this is just a dream? Yeah, this is a dream because we see him kind of wake up from it a couple of times, but I'm mm-hmm. it's obviously a dream. Yeah, but, and but like to it's me, a, it's it's, a, it's showing like the dream, the hope that he's giving up. Okay, because um, I was thinking that like, is it possible that Rick and Michonne at some point in their relationship, post-apocalyptic relationship, did like some kind of role play where they left yeah. Judith with with Rick or um, Daryl, and they're like, we're gonna go to some random park that we found, and we're gonna role play the meet cute that we never had in real life and it's like Mm -hmm. this kind of like cute and coy um and he's remembering that as like a happy time um or is this possibly even in the future maybe michonne shows up at the crm and sure or is it something that he's like, is it just his brain remixing like situations from his youth that now he's seeing the love of his life put there? Like I, I could go either way. I think uh, my first idea was like, yeah, this must've been some, and there, it's a, it's a bait and switch that we think it's gotta be some dream or something, but it's, it's really something that they put together, you know, just for like an anniversary occasion or something. I heard tell that this is actually a seventh plot that was dropped from love. Actually, 
<laughs> and this was going to potentially be Andrew Lincoln's love uh, love life in Love Actually, where he met a woman on a park bench and that day proposed to her with <laughs> no ring and five large pizzas. A promise of five yeah. large pizzas. Oh my God, it's a love quadrangle. And she said yes. Between, and she already uh, had a husband. She had a family. She <laughs> left them all for five large pizzas and no ring. There you go. And a man without a beard. Because for a, a split second... Because they are obviously doing, I, I thought, maybe that's not obvious. It's hard to tell with Denai because she still looks like she's like in her early 30s. Andy Lincoln has, he's, he's, he's lacking the magic melanin. He is, in fact, cracking. He's looking a little old. I thought they de-aged him a little bit in these They scenes. shaved his, his very white beard off. Yeah, that helped a lot. But I thought they did some light digital de-aging or maybe some makeup. And I'm like, yeah, are maybe. they suggesting that like at some point... Rick had business at Atlanta as a young man and he ran into Michonne before she made it as a prosecuting attorney or defense attorney or whatever. And this is like, it's kind of like they didn't even know oh. the right before he met, you know, uh, the, 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 the fucking Fiesta girl. Yeah. Lori before he mm-hmm. met Lori and had like this, that they had this kind of, you know, random meetup. They didn't even know the, the, the significance of, but I, I don't believe it's that. the proposal that I mean, that's second day meeting this woman on a park bench. Yeah. And like I said, that's not even love actually material. That's just insane to propose. Well, I mean, yeah, that's uh, what what Andrew Lincoln does in love actually is insane. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, it's uh, all those things are possible. Ultimately, I landed on this is a dream this is the hope that he had that they would be reunited and they could live some kind of normal life together. Just peaceful, nothing that he doesn't have to be an A or a B. He can just be with her. And then he gave that up by the end. No A's, no B's. I just want to be with you, baby. Mm-hmm. I just want to see you. Uh, all right, Rick. <laughs> so he wakes up. He is while he's clearing walkers at the gate, it's really hard to recap this stuff because there are narrations and there are things happening under the narration, but he's clearing walkers at the gates. He has a voiceover to Michonne explaining his time at the civic Republic and how he couldn't get back to her because he was trapped. And then there's also this guy in charge who will come to know as Okafor, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Okafor. Uh, he tries to convince Rick that he is his friend and to do something with his life aside from failing to escape. Um, yeah, I, so narration usually doesn't work real well for me in fiction. I think the one thing that saves them is that this is kind of something that Rick does. Like Rick does have these one-sided phone conversations on radios. Rick does kind of get losing his mind and starts talking on telephones with his wife. Uh, you know, there is this kind of history of him doing these. This is like the sign of him. Like he hasn't given up hope that he's still writing these letters, trying to get him sent, you know, waiting for Morgan to pick up the radio at dawn. It's it's in his history. So like him writing this final letter to his wife. And before I forget you, I'm going to tell you all the things and I'm going to make my peace with it. And I'm going to give up this dream. I, I think it kind of works. And also thank God, because the, we really needed the exposition, you know, for someone like me who has yeah. not gotten any of the world beyond yet, uh, like l- l- getting to know the CRM from their own perspective, I thought was valuable. Yep. This is one of the things we talked about in the preview cast is we needed to catch up on this information. And I feel like they did a pretty good job with that. 
I think I understand what the CRM is and what they're all yeah. about um, yeah. and how they're separate from the Civic Republic itself. Yeah. Uh, just it, it, they got a lot of information in there in a way that didn't feel like it was super exposition-y. So and let's run, run it down because we know we have the legion of the ones who don't watch. Um, the CRM is a tri-city alliance between what I think is Philadelphia, uh, Omaha, Nebraska, and Seattle. And well, only... no, I, I don't think that's true. I think the the Civic Republic There's is alliance that's... with. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I think the Civic. So it's really confusing because the Civic Republic is a secret city. Um, they don't allow okay, so anyone it's to not, know about their it's, presence. It's, they're allied with Omaha and Seattle, but Omaha and Seattle are not part of the CRM. Okay, you're right. Omaha I think, Portland. I think you're right. Yeah, they're they're not part of the CRM because the Sorry, CRM Portland. is the Civic Republic military, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is apparently a branch of the Civic Republic that operates independently from it. It was the Pennsylvania National Guard that protected right, right. Philadelphia from the United States government trying to firebomb it like they did all the majors. Because yes. apparently this is something they've established that like at some point during the zombie outbreak, the United States decided to just firebomb all of their large population centers as a way to cauterize the wound. Um, <laughs> this particular National Guard rebelled and resisted the and protected protected uh, uh, Philadelphia. Yeah. I don't. Um, so yeah, let's, let's, that's that's enough for now because there's some questions okay. I have about this. But there's this is a working city of ten, a hundred thousand, oh, hundreds of thousands of people. So it's already another order of magnitude past anything we've seen with the Commonwealth. Um, but their one ironclad rule is secrecy. They think that the reason their city has been able to stand this long is the strict secrecy. No one's allowed to leave, which isn't a problem because no one really wants to leave until Rick shows up. And the other thing is when they find survivors, instead of Rick's plan of just asking you three questions and then taking you on or not, they make you go through a six year period of consignment where you live on the outskirts of the city and you do zombie clearing, you do basic utility work. And if you do that for six years in a satisfactory manner, you can earn your citizenship to go inside the walls of the city. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the CRM, and they don't tell us it's Philadelphia, although they do a pretty, you know, you see the skyline. There's several buildings that have the word Philadelphia on it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, a, and it's a secret city. Yeah, it's implied that this is Philadelphia uh, throughout as well with Okafor's story and stuff, um, what Beale tells Rick about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you might actually be right. I wonder if those cities have to be allied with the CRM because nobody knows that the civic republic this city actually exists you how do you ally with the city that you don't know exists so the the military would be the only interface that omaha and portland would have i i don't know what i honestly in this world i don't know what an alliance between portland omaha and pennsylvania (laughs) it with helicopters it's a little more plausible that that's valuable, but, but I agree. even then, that's like sending someone to the... That's like being an ally. It's like us being allied yeah. with a moon base. Like, uh-huh. it could happen, but there's not going to be a lot of commerce and sharing going on just because it's so fucking expensive. Like, you got yeah. a helicopter stuff to Omaha. Um, and Omaha is like, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I, that the, the, the logistics of this, I wish it was like some kind of like, you know, maybe Philly, New York, Boston, but then... 
Yeah. They're already, already shaky stance of Philadelphia being a hidden city would be even uh-huh. shakier. But uh and, and you th- especially Portland, because Portland is out of the fucking way, right? Like yes. Omaha okay maybe that's reasonably flyable from philly and it's a bread basket you know like right there in the middle of the the amber waves of grain in the united states like there's a lot of supplies it could be a real depot right but like portland what why are you allying with portland weed marijuana (laughs) donuts yeah they got those donuts up there i hear the strip clubs are awesome too nice um so there that's it what did you think of the kill stick Oh, this like your spinning zombie thing. Tool. It's it's like a Cork combination screw. corkscrew, yeah, a cork remover and pike. It's something that I could really see being effective at snaking a drain, but zombie killing. Yeah, it I guess. reminded me. It it reminded me of like those garden weasel things where you like stick it in the ground and twist it, and it like pulls out weeds. Like, yep. yep. Well, how is it more effective than just a sharp stick? I've like, seen people kill zombies with like their thumbs through their skulls and mm-hmm. shit. How is it more mm-hmm. effective than a bayonet on the end of a rifle or a, a sharpened stick? Yeah. 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 Six foot stick. They have this like brick wall with these like six inch slots. So the zombies come out one at a time. Hilarious. Smart, I like that. that Rick kills like a hundred zombies. Never a pile of bodies on the other side of the wall. Nope. Never pile it's cool bodies. That 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 hill is that's built on a slight hill. So when the zombies fall, they just kind of roll down to the bottom for collection. It's the treadmill strategy. Have you heard of the treadmill strategy with zombie uh-uh. defense, where you just uh-uh. surround your house with treadmills, and the zombies can never actually walk to you because <laughs> they step onto the treadmills and they're taken away. Uh, this this is, is the same thing. It just treadmills to the side. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. There's a conveyor belt. I mean, hell, they got he- working helicopters. Why not? Yeah. Uh, okay, let's... Uh, it, 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 okay, there are several people doing accents in this show. Andrew Lincoln, notably, mm-hmm. doing an accent. Uh, we've talked about his accent at length. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the guy playing Okafor is putting on an accent, but his accent is really weird. It's... Like, along the Creole? lines of... Is it Creole? Yeah, like New Orleans, Creole French Creole... That's what it kind of sounds like to me, but Maybe. whatever Thorne is doing with a South African accent, I, I, that blew me away when she said she's a South African submariner. It, I'm like, with that accent? Uh, yeah, yeah, they specifically mentioned Cape Town. I, look, I worked with somebody from South Africa for several years, and her natural accent, because she's putting on an accent, but her natural accent sounds a lot more to me like a South African accent. Mm. It's it's less like what I think of African, mm-hmm. but more yeah. what I think of South Africa. So mm-hmm. like, it it's a really weird decision to have somebody who I think has a natural South African accent to put on an accent for the show. Is she from South Africa? She probably is. She sounds oh, like she okay. is to me. Oh, you heard her talking in the the bone the, the post credits. Okay, yep. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what they're going for. Um. If they're, we're gonna like see that he was uh, back down in Louisiana or something. Um, he's from Philly, apparently. I don't know. Maybe it's, he's it's, not it's from an Philly. odd choice. No, he's not. He's he's yeah, because he talks guard, about yeah. firebombing all over the place. Yeah, true. Uh, all right, somebody throws a glass at Rick. 
and asked, uh, thanks him for showing them that they can't get away. And then Rick goes back to his apartment and rages over that. What is her deal? D- does CRM have any glassware available at this point? Is that why she's drinking straight from the bottle? Because yeah. she's broken every other glass? Twice in this episode, for seemingly no reason, she throws a glass at Rick's head. Yeah. Who, who's who's shorter of glasses? Uh, the CRM or Czar era Russia? Because of all the design. <laughs> Definitely um, Russia. <laughs> I, 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 so like her whole deal is she's got something like Rick where she has people she's left behind. She's wanting to get back to them, but she just, um, and like maybe she, yeah, like, you know, like, I like that. Like, um, thank, you know, I'm, I throw in my glass for, I, I kind of like thank you and also fuck you for convincing me that it's impossible to escape from this place. It gives some real stakes to risk Rick's, uh, escape attempts, I think. Mm-hmm. Cause like, it's true, you know, a, a, a successful escape can inspire people to to also think that they can get out of their plight. An unsuccessful attempt and repeated unsuccessful attempts over like a decade, that might inspire people to think, well, it's not worth even trying because right. I'm not going to, it's not going to work. Look at this dude. And I'm not going to cut my hand off to try and get away. He went to... He went to the links you would think you would have to go to to actually get away and still didn't get away. Yeah. Um, I like the Thorn characterization. She's just like this flinty hard woman, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, like she becomes a true believer before Rick. And I thought that conversion was believable. Um, Yeah. And then he goes home and trashes his room for some reason. He's pissed off that he's setting a bad example here. He's pissed off at two things, right? That A, that he didn't get away, and B, that people are seeing him not getting away and learning the opposite lesson of what he would want them to think. I wonder if he's also feeling like he can feel himself giving in. Like, there's the uniform, and I just cut off my hand, and it was my Hail Mary to get out of here, and, like, I my head's not caught up to where my heart is, or maybe my heart's not where my head's at, but... You know, he's he's preemptively raging against his own decision. Potentially. And I want to talk about that term choice later in the episode and what it actually means, because mm. I'm not certain me and The Walking Dead are on the same page with that. Okay. But we'll see. You're listening to The Watching Dead. We'll be right back. Keep your head down. Welcome back to The Ones Who Live. Uh, all right, let's talk about a guy that I do really like in this episode, a guy named Esteban, who is apparently the closest thing that Rick has to a friend, uh, sits next to him on a riverside bench, beautiful scenery, and espouses the virtues of not having swamp ass, as well as the citizenship program of the Civic Republic. Dude, I might say goodbye to Michonne and Judith if they said they had air conditioning in this post-apocalypse. <laughs> can you believe? Can you can you imagine? You've been sitting in fucking Georgia and in the swamps of D.C. for 15 years, just with like never knowing a dry crotch at any 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 season, and then you step into cool, yeah. crisp 68 degrees Fahrenheit. 
This is yeah. the problem. This is why Rick is not tempted by this is because he's he doesn't know that an alternative to Swamp Ass exists. He's always <laughs> lived with Swamp Ass, so it's his he's default state. Yeah. 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 No more Swamp Ass. That's that's all I need. That's the only campaign promise I want. And I'm ready to kill uh I'm ready to firebomb cities. I'm ready to give up my wife and children. Just keep me cool, man. Keep me cool. This scene is doing a lot of heavy lifting of uh, the CRM's or the the CR's citizenship program. Esteban's talking about how you know most people would love to be at this place, and he's hoping to get this deputy water management position, or he just did. I can't remember. Uh, yeah. So he's actually his time is up. He served, and now he's a citizen, and he's going inside the city. And it does also like, you know, kind of get you it, it tells you how Rick has been like the first like this. This guy is so friendly and he is like he's instantly a likable guy. And mm-hmm. he says that for like the first three years, Rick didn't even speak to him. But he's the type of guy who just wouldn't give up. And he kept on, kept on. He finally came to some kind of friendship with Rick uh, and it felt authentic. And also Rick's the kind of guy that like, yeah, maybe you would invest a couple of years to get to be his friend and then. You know, he's he's a guy of substance. So like they had this the scene had to work so that the next scene that we see Esteban had yeah. a had a prayer of working. And I think it's a testament to both these guys that it did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I the will writing, say I really believe it. Is Rick the dumbest motherfucker alive? Because when Esteban says, you know, Rick, if you just give in and decide to be their super soldier, you can always try to escape when you're not leashed up and you're just looking for twine out there. And Rick has the effect of a man who's processing new information. Six fucking years. You've tried you've, you've tried getting away eight different times. You cut off your hand once and you never thought of just facetiously accepting this guy's offer so you can be a commando out in the bush. Like yeah, the only he's way so out is fucking through, dumb. Man. He's so yeah. fucking dumb to not even think <laughs> of the idea. Yeah, I mean Rick has been pretty myopic a lot of times in The Walking Dead. This wouldn't be the first. He's missing a hand, not an eye. What the hell? Fair, fair. The other thing I my ears picked up is Esteban has a gal already on the inside who's a journalist. Yeah who's doing a story on uh, water management. I have a feeling uh, it can't be. I it, that's they they they're not going to run back Connie's uh it commonwealth can't. plot, right? They can't. It can't be. I mean, she I stays do. at the commonwealth at the end of this unless it, uh, Yeah, no, there is no unless. She's at the commonwealth at the end of I this. I think it's endearing in like a teenager writing fan fiction way that writers have a way to self-insert themselves in saving the world. Like oh, yeah. just physical act of writing. Just yeah. string words together so it makes people feel and understand can save the world. I that that has to be so satisfying to work that into your plot, but I don't know if you can do it. Uh I- again. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm with you. Then why bring it up, Jim? Why establish him having a a gal who is an investigative journalist on the inside? Why show a newspaper article about the CRM being investigated by their own politicians? They're they're gonna there's gonna be some muck and she's gonna rake it. I'm guaranteeing you. It's gonna be Connie too. What if it is Connie? Well, okay, so that's where my head immediately jumped. <laughs> I thought you were proposing that it was actually Connie. Uh 
No, Here, my mind did not immediately jump to that, but it's now made <laughs> okay. the leap and like, oh God, it can't be Connie, right? So, so I know, look, journalism is an important component of our society. Uh, some would say it's a vital component. And I think any story that you're going to tell with any weight of seriousness about a political drama has to include some form of journalism. Yeah. Even so, post-apocalypse. I, yeah. I mean, in a city of 200,000 people, you have That's to have true. some way to sway the opinion of those yeah. of that population because they are a force to be reckoned with. It's just how do they think and, and who tells them what to think and how do they get that information? Yep. They don't, they don't have Twitter. They're going to have to just do it with old school. Oh, they do it with TV, apparently. Fish wraps. Oh, TV too. And, yeah, and, and papers, you know, like you said, we do see shots of, of newspapers. So, yeah, they have that TV news program that I wonder who runs that. Is that, it's got to be a civic republic, not a military thing. Although, I would think so too. But the also, the question becomes who is yeah. influencing the coverage. Yeah. Are there any puppet strings there that's right? We can't see. Yeah, so I think there are interesting stories to be told on the journalism side, but we'll see what they do with that. I will say, I think another function of this Esteban saying he's got a girl on the inside as he's sitting on this bench with Rick in this idyllic situation, much like the park that he meets her in in his dream, I think it's showing Rick that there could be a life like that inside of the C, the CR, the Civic Republic. At least... To Esteban's estimation, there is. Yeah, you could you could find some you could you could start a new life. Mm-hmm. Um. So Rick gets the idea that he can pretend to join the CRM in order to look for a new escape route. So he goes to Okafor and says he wants to join up, and we see some of his training here. Couple things we've already talked about the Doc Johnson sex toy that he has strapped <laughs> strapped to his like. Oh my God! This why do you device? make it? Like, like there was a Mythbuster episode where Carrie Bryan went out to get. Uh, oh, they're designing a robot to punch sharks, mm. and she came back with two black molded plastic fists, one in a traditional fist and one in kind of like a you know more of a you're trying to get something cobra in strike. the fist. Yeah, no, you got the cobra, cobra strike. strike. Yeah, there not, you go. Get, getting in. I don't the, know what you're talking about. Cobra you got the strike. Fist and you got the cobra strike. <laughs> Rick is wearing the Doc Johnson fist, man. That's just what it is. It's a black rubber sex toy fist. Yeah, I, that's for experienced lovers. With the spring-loaded bayonet. That's the that's the nice touch. Oh, that's the nice touch. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's you ooh. where you know it's not just for sexy times. Um, yeah. Also, move over, barley. There's a new weird ass grain to save civilization in town, and it's millet. It's millet. Yes. It's the next thing to make bread out of. All your kids Ooh. are going to hate. They're going to want Man. Wonder Bread, and you're going to give them millet, whole grain millet. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty weak substitute. Uh, I, Is it, so if barley equals intellect, uh-huh. what does millet equal? Depression. <laughs> Because it's just okay. a worse version of like barley bread. If you had barley bread, it's terrible. I'm Mill telling equals you. Acceptance. Acceptance. Did, did fucking wheat die? Did, did the zombie strain kill all the wheat too? Why are we experimenting with barley and millet? Why can't we just do corn <laughs> and do wheat? wheat. <laughs> zombies love wheat. It's brains <laughs> and wheat. The two things that they'll eat. 
<laughs> they do. They're like they're like a locust herd. Do you get a yep. you, you big horde? They just they just trample and millets trample resistant. That's what it is. You oh, can have yeah. a, a a herd of fifty thousand zombies go through trample and they just spring up like daisies the next day. Makes sense. Crop All right, how about millet? Hate them. Millet equals secrets. I like millet equals secrets. Barley equals intellect, but millet oh, equals secrets. It's the opposite of barley. It like yes. barley enlightens. Millet conceals. Yeah, millet's the treacherous grain. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> millet uh, equals secrets. Uh, so the, yeah, I I don't know what he means by it isn't exactly millet country, but if I could find the right one, it could change things. I guess he's talking about Rick here. Like he is Rick is millet. Oh, you're 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 giving them a a pretty big concession that they're actually trying to do yeah. something beyond just introducing the new super grain. <laughs> What uh, point could that have? I know. I I said I just great wheat's gone extinct. Um also yeah. the other thing if you're not watching this you have to know that Rick is being trained to pilot a helicopter with one hand and a yes. sex toy. <laughs> he is working that c- c- cyclic <laughs> cyclic and collective with mm-hmm. not but a right hand and essentially a fancy butt plug. How he yeah. can work, so, you know, helicopters, pretty finicky flying contraptions. I'm not saying you can't do it if you're he disabled, if you yeah. have like one of those, but if you, if you have like a rubber fist that's closed, I don't know. I don't know that you can, you can, you know, you need a hook. You need something like what Aaron's yeah. got, you know, special helicopter with big Fisher price buttons that he can mash with it. Just you, bam, do. Bam. you could do, you could make some, uh, you could, you could make some accessibility choices or you could just have uh-huh. the guy who's one hand did not fly, fly the helicopter. Yeah. He could just be the platoon leader. He could be the chief ass kicker. You just don't, you know, the job with manual dexterity and feel maybe, maybe in the apocalypse, he can just ride. He can ride in the wagon. Sure. Uh, let's take another dream sequence here. A trip on a, on a dream ride with Michonne again. She has to leave the park bench and Rick, Rick asks her if she comes here often. She says yes, but also she's not eager to see him again, which mm. I, confuses him, confused me. I can't tell if this is just flirting. She's nagging him, yeah. Yeah, this is her version of a nag or like if there's something in his own head because I'm, I'm processing this through rick's own internal you know idea of what this is going to be like when he's reunited is it something like does he need to get back to her or is she okay where she is and not eager to have him come back and disrupt her life is he worried about that that if he does find her things won't be the same yeah it might be it might be i'm too busy making jokes though Uh, i know my thing it's the easy thing is she's denied guerrera and she's looking like a million bucks and he looks like bean curd by way of british isles and she's just like i'm just not that eager there could be some flavor here there could be some flavor here but i'm Mm -hmm. looking at it and i'm not seeing it so you know also look andy we me and john berthold we surpassed you at this point as far as fame goes (laughs) you want to do another one of these i'm just not that eager that's true. That's true. I got, I got Black another Panther Wakanda 3 movie coming up. Coming yeah. Up. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm the one that I'm the, uh, we, me and Bajan have become the ones who make bank and you're the guy coasting <laughs> off of love actually. And Rick Grimes. So he's very big in Europe, very big in Europe. I'm sure. Oh, uh, it, it could also be him worrying that he's got to explain a lot of his actions to her when he gets back or when they're reunited and he's not sure he knows how. Mm. 
I don't know. It's definitely. I think you're you 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 the 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 you hit it right. Uh, your first analysis was that this is him processing the subconscious and conscious guilt of giving him them up. Yeah, yeah, seems to make sense, and we'll get a little more of this later. Uh, Okafor takes Rick and <laughs> the woman I was calling Glass Plaster at this point, apparently. Uh, to a secret location and revealed not to be confused with what Rick is doing. That's not blasting glass. Uh, He wants to reveal some secrets to them and tells them that he's trying to train them up to become leaders so that they can help change the CRM for the better, which immediately at this point I'm going, Hmm, why reveal this? To Rick because it doesn't feel like a ton of time is passing here but, but what we're supposed is. to understand is there is a lot of time passing yeah there and I wasn't is. picking that up on first watch so Me either and why use the title cards if you're not going to like because like yeah I guess if you're paying attention it takes a while to fly a helicopter but uh-huh. to be fair I don't know that the walking dead knows that you know like they've done some really stupid shit on this show and they're doing like five years this now like yeah it could have been like 18 months later um yeah but, but yeah you're 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 supposed to understand that they have earned their right into the beginning echelons of the inner circle and sometimes they make it explicit how much time is passing you know they let's say like oh these past years stuff mm. blah blah yeah, blah yeah, yeah. but so far, they haven't really done a lot of that. Um, yeah, I, I so so my initial inclination is, what is he not telling them? What is he really trying to do with Rick and Thorn here? Why does this feel like a Scientology pitch? You know, here's yeah. here's your yeah, di- copy I mean. of Dianetics. Here's your copy of the auditing manual. Uh, I've noticed that your your operating theatins are awful high. Uh, if, if you, if you stick with the group and you keep contributing, eventually you'll be given the echelon report, mm-hmm. uh, that will explain everything, command. but we can't tell you it's, yeah, it's very, very much, uh, very culty, very culty secret society. Yeah. And, and it always feels to me like a trick. And especially mm-hmm. when you pile Belon later, then I'm really thinking, oh, they're actually just working together to break Rick to, to it could be make him to get him so far into this thing before he realizes that oh we weren't actually going to change anything we just wanted to co-opt you yeah and i assume that's the way it's going to go although i don't know i mean that's what you do when you want to tell an intriguing tale of like a thriller or something but the walking dead it doesn't seem like they're trying to do that they're trying to tell an emotional tale about a man who's torn between two possible futures yeah, and here's where uh, some of the other marginal stuff breaks down, too, because I feel like this show is trying to kind of keep mysterious about the CRM and how bad it is, but yet you have Okafor na- nakedly talking about this this being monsters to save us from monsters won't work anymore. That implies a certain level of, you know, moral grayness to the institution. Then I think that the, sh- the show is kind of let, but maybe that's another hint of what's to come. But I, I don't know. I thought that was a little weird, too. That felt a little out of sequency like evidence that they might have like decided to do this kind of out of out of time storytelling later in the cycle they didn't quite get all the the kinks worried out but then again it is the walking dead yeah there's that there's the omaha stuff which i think is 
a little strange or maybe interesting in the context of of all of this mm-hmm. secrecy um mm-hmm. and the separation of the military and the civic republic itself but i i think if you're a world beyond watcher you already know you're a right. lot more about this where there's no right. mystery there so i don't know if the mystery is intended at all i guess just for new viewers I mean, surely, because, like, they know, like, uh, the, the Walking Dead is uh, the world beyond, let's see, uh, last season. Uh, oh, yes, this was pulling a 0.4 share. So 400,000 people <laughs> okay. saw The Walking yeah. Dead. I would think that walk, the, that maybe AMC is hoping for a million or two people to show up. I think it's dumb. Like I said, it's like they needed to, you know, the, we talked about this on the True Detective wrap-up, the whole uh, too much but not enough like you either needed yeah. to just from playthrough, you know, like okay, the, our audience understands a CRM is a shit, a shitty place, or we need to kind of slow tell this storytelling. Um, it'd be really funny though, because like the the excuse of not following the comic book lore was always we want to surprise uh, the comic book fans. It'd be funny if they just ignored the CRM lore of the world beyond because like, well, the world beyond people already like we want to, we want to oh su- maintain some surprises. Like, yeah. do you understand how stupid that sounds now? You know, yeah. like I always got like people like, you know, Oh God. And it's almost the exact same numbers two 300,000 people at the tight wa- reading the watching dead, reading the walking dead and 18 million watching it to three, mm-hmm. 300, 400,000 people watching the world beyond. And I don't know how many people are, watch i don't think they've had numbers yet um but i'm curious i'm hoping there's a couple million people watching yeah i don't know uh let's move on to the next scene uh well kind of this is a continuation of the scene where brick decides he's going to play along with oak Four's plan so he can look for an escape and then glass blaster tells him that she's not <laughs> interested in helping him escape because this is all she has left and she's made a lot of decisions she's made her choice um she also leaves it kind of a, a hanging thread here where if you do want help, let me know. All you have to do is ask. And what I think she's really saying here is if you do want help joining up with the CRM, like getting in, creating a new life here, I'll help with that. Yeah, agreed. Um, was it with The Walking Dead and having the most bonkers backstories for people? Like this is a lady South yeah. African submariner who is a gambling expert who went to Las Vegas to play poker on the eve of the zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Can't Everybody's just be... got a story. Yeah, I guess. I guess. <laughs> Where were you when 9-11 happened? I don't know about I... you, but I was at the casino hoping to play my first, first hand of poker. Like, why the submarine? Are, are, are we going to have submarines? Are we going to get into submarines? Uh, Have we not... Have we not already had a submarine? Surely we've had submarines. I felt like I saw, I I, maybe I saw something about the uh, Fear of the Walking Dead where there was a submarine plot in season three or four, but maybe. So is she a character from that or what? I I don't know. I'm just saying that like it's it's Gonzo. Like she could just be a gambler, but she's got to be a gambler, submariner, South African at that. Well, Jadis could have a normal haircut. We've seen it. And yet. They did what they did to her, so. Yeah. Yeah, The Walking Dead has a style. Um, Rick narrates some more details about the CRM's uh, secrets. 
and the Civic Republic uh, apparently encountered two other cities early on in the apocalypse, Portland and Omaha, which we've talked about, formed an alliance. Um, it's kind of all we get right now, but he meets Major General Beale, um, who tells him how Oak 4 helped the CRM preserve Philadelphia and test his loyalty, and he seemingly passes. I don't think he passed. I that's the thing, and that's why I hired Terry O'Quinn. So he Terry can look O'Quinn, at you, with, man. You can you can he can look at you with a sparkle on his eye, and he tells you everything and nothing. It's like this was a great fucking scene. Yeah, Terry O'Quinn, master. I mean, if you want to see some of his best work, in my opinion, go watch early seasons of Lost. Sure. Fantastic as Locke. Uh, this guy, like you said, yeah, he gives nothing away in his performance, and lets you assume everything and i love it like he he's telling you everything and nothing you know it's it's too much and not enough at the same time that's his acting style and i love that they had the confidence to have andy lincoln have a pretty good poker face where it's like i you know if i was terry if i was a general beal i would have nothing to go on but and also the way they said no at the exact same time i think Mm -hmm. was super great because because uh, one of two things right it's either this is exactly how long it would take a person who's not lying to get to know or uh, a person who is lying to me would say it in this exact way right and i i could buy either way but like because it is terry o'quinn because he does have that sparkle in his eye and also crucially because i feel like if he was still undecided about rick he would not you know he would still use his time to try to probe but like he in those yeah. two exchanges he he found that now i don't know if he's right or not but like mm-hmm. he is satisfied that he knows everything and he's just like, you know what, we can just we can just we can just share we can just soak in the scenery the rest of this visit. I think that tells again, but it's also great because I don't know exactly what it says. And, and he's not so to your point, I think Andrew Lincoln has to put in the performance he does. He has to have that believable poker mm-hmm. face. Because mm-hmm. if he doesn't, we know what Terry O'Quinn's thinking. Right. We know the game is up, right? here because they both thread that needle so perfectly it's still a mystery but i i tend to lean toward the conspiracy that this Mm. is maybe part of okafor because he the first thing he asks is he comes up and says is okafor doing anything that i should know about yeah and rick lies to him and says no because we know that okafor is planning to change the crm apparently behind his back Mm -hmm. so he asks about that and to me i'm thinking okay the either it's such a it's such a plain like would he want this underling to know that he doesn't trust his second in command that's a big piece of information to just give up off the bat so to me mm. this is him testing rick this is him trying to judge putting the dipstick in rick figuring out how into the crm is he will he give up okafor oh he won't Oh, interesting. Okay, so now I know he's not totally committed. Agreed. There's all like so many possibilities here, and uh, I, I think it's I think it's smart, and and I love Terry O'Quinn, and uh, uh, you, like I said, you cast him, you get all a bunch of things for free. Like this guy yeah. is a commanding presence. This guy is a natural born leader. This guy is extremely intelligent and sharp. Like you, get he's that also just very like, like fatherly, right? He's also very like that's kind and soft at moments yeah yeah like not to get too patriarchal but yes that comes with uh an an, an old guy in military fatigues like he there is something uh paternal about that too like you you know you do you don't want to disappoint him like a guy like rick 
Like even Rick, who is only going along with this, did I think genuinely sit up straight in this man's presence and you know talking, addressing him as sir. Like yeah, it's military culture too. But I think Rick sees that this guy is a guy to be taken seriously. Well, you're going with like the hard, hard man, like stern father kind of stereotype. I'm going with more of like a a, a, a softer kind of father, right? Like a, I mean, yeah, a even, guy who cares even... about someone. <laughs> I agree. I, I, I wasn't intentionally because even soft dads, yeah, like yeah. you still want to, you still want to impress them. You still want to make them oh, proud. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like you, it's more of a love than a fear thing. I, I don't think he's afraid of Carrie O'Quinn. It's just that he's a serious man yeah. who, and Rick is a serious man too. So it's a serious man that other serious men take serious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The title of that Coen Brothers film. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so we find out so much more about the CRM and the CR in particular here, the city's secret, um, the army's doings are secret, the troops with the blood red stripes, which is Okafor, his guy's actions are secret to the force, to the, to the military in general, uh, and Rick has his secret. They're all feasting on millet. Yeah, and Okafor is by some rights a traitor. He went against the U.S. government, and instead of bombing the city of Philadelphia, he bombed the 4,000 Marines who were uh, preparing to storm the city to kill anything that his bombs didn't touch. Um, And that he, yeah, uh, that one decision enabled them to save hundreds of thousands of people and form the backbone of the CRM. Yeah. Uh, let's move over to Okafor now telling his, I don't know, calling the maze, Rick and Thorne, that they uh, there's reckoning coming soon and they have a responsibility to change everything. What is this model? Like this, this where I felt like I understood half the conversation is modeling. The, is that a world beyond thing? Like there's some kind of zombie modeling that there's a growth and decay rate and a mutation rate and... I couldn't tell if he was talking about the zombies, if he's talking about within the military. Um, yeah, the civilian within politics. The world. Yeah. I don't know what the tipping point really means. But he's got this philosophy is like in moments of crisis, there's a small group of people, sometimes only one or two, that have the power and the courage and the ability to act and do what's necessary. And he thinks that Rick and, and Thorne are those type of people. Mm-hmm. And there's also like this this gambling metaphor. It's like against all this drop, you've got Rick and Thorne both going all in with their chips. Uh, yeah, so, they're being yeah. taught to taught to bluff, right? I mean, keep those mm-hmm. secrets close mm-hmm. to their vest. Um, so Rick then seeks out Esteban and begs him for information. And this is this is years later. Uh, this is where it really started to dawn on me. Oh, this is years later. Uh, Rick seeks him out, begs him for information that'll help him navigate the sewer system for his next uh, next escape attempt. And <laughs> they tell each other not to die. I don't know. Uh, so Esteban is a, a water manager for Ward 3 now, not a deputy water manager. Mm-hmm. It's an indication that a lot of time has passed here. Um, this guy... I, I love I love Esteban. He's great. I love Esteban. His whole too. demeanor, so much uh-huh. fun. One of the things that also makes me love him is he kind of has Gowron eyes. <laughs> He's yeah. got a little bit of that going on. Can go can go a little too wide. A little, yeah, little, little, yeah. I see what you're saying. You're talking about the Klingon leader from Star Trek: The Next Generation of Deep Space Nine. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Known for never blinking in a shot right. and having just. Imp- 
possibly big eyes that then widen and you're like oh my god <laughs> yeah. like these things are dinner plates and they just became garbage pan can lids like what the hell yeah um I, so i have a minor nitpick um rick is asking for the plans to a far off outpost that they're going to take a helicopter to get to how the fuck would even the manager of Ward 3's power and water know anything about the sewer system of this outpost, this this suburb that they're flying to. I was thinking maybe he was just helping him read the schematics here until he told him the combination is 4399. That's what I'm... I and thought then, the then same I was like, thing. Wait. I thought the same thing. There's no fucking way this guy's... And he just has it... But he had no idea Rick was there to ask him that. He's just got that at his mental recall. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of absurd. But they're going on a faraway mission that they have to be heloed to, heloed to, to a mm-hmm. chemical plant. Okay. All right, Esteban. You just are all-knowing. I think you're omniscient. Which, he might be a plant. He might be a plant. That's the thing. Well, he said Rick just a random combination, alive. and then they had their own guys go and change it to that, right? Ah. So that when he did try to escape, they'd be there with a big net? I don't know. <laughs> a butterfly net to catch him? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, anyway, let's go to Rick explaining his escape plan to Michonne via this narration in his dream, uh, or, or sorry, in, in what we'll find out is a letter to her later, uh, as he's executing the escape plan. Unfortunately, he's discovered by Thorn. Rick asks for her help to escape, and she tells him that she is helping him by bringing him back to the CRM because Okafor apparently knows about him. It's kind of chilling because, like, you know, the other thing that happens is uh, Rick, uh, he stops, you know, he, he, uh, his flaw, his plan's going without a flaw. He stages a dead body. Um, he puts his dog tags on it. He's going to get a bunch of zombies, look like it, the, he lost an attack and he's going to explode with a grenade, a fuel truck that's parked nearby. Um, It'd be funny if that fuel truck was empty, right? Or if it's full of just <laughs> jelly gas, it's not going to work anymore. Yeah. Um, and he's about to pop the grenade when he's attacked. He gets hit by two stealth zombies and then a little, little girl screams. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the little girl coming back into like this is like, you know, this is the first time we see Rick Grimes since he's been off there for like five years. And we bring him back to a spooky little zombie girl encounter in the first in the premiere episode i thought that was a mm-hmm. nice little touch touch uh, base yeah he's um, been haunted by little girls his entire run in the show but it's also dark because i think if that little girl doesn't show up that thorn was a was preparing to kill rick to murder rick because she said i saw the whole thing and also i saved your life and he's like you didn't save my life he's like yeah i would have missed i think the implication is if he was about to get away scot-free right. she was going to kill him so he could yeah. fuck up her good thing that makes sense yeah so this little girl inadvertently saved him yeah huh i wonder if they're like it's also like do you think they're going to do some kind of like uh uh a judith surrogate or you know like what they're doing with daryl and I uh, don't know, man. What what that guy? I forget what that Laurent. His, mm-hmm. Are they like? I don't know if I want a kid in the in, in my Rick Grimes movie, man. My Rick and Michonne movie. We already got. I'm kids. with you. Yeah, don't roll all of the hits back. We're already doing authoritarian regime shit. Yeah. Do we need I'll, another I'll, tag along child? 
I want him to get back to RJ and little ass kicker. I don't need zombie girl. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, so finding out that Okafor knows about him, Rick sneaks into Okafor's bedroom slash vivarium. I'd, he's apparently sleeping, living in a greenhouse. I don't know. You gotta, he, you gotta, you gotta live with the millet to understand the millet and to get the millets. It's such a yeah. secret grain that you have to know it that intimately for it to unlock its secrets to you. This is true. Oh, he is trying to discover the secrets of millet. Yeah. You wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, you have a millet inside, you want to go right to your crop. (laughs) Right. Uh, So Rick demands at knife point to know what Thorne was talking about with the he knows you remark. Uh, Oakfor says he knows everything about Michonne. Um, Rick tells him, here's some real logic twisting for me. I, I I don't, I think the performances in this scene are excellent and interesting. I don't understand the logic. So Okafor says he knows everything about Michonne. Rick tells him they don't get to make the choice for him and calls him a good little soldier, which triggers Okafor. He says, he tells him everything about like killing his wife and 4,000 Marines to save Philadelphia and maybe the world. And then once the dust is settled, Okafor tells Rick he's putting him in charge of a base building operation that will put him on the path to power. Okay. So, so I understand his story, right? He's in the Air Force. He's already bombed several U.S. cities. He, he mentioned Atlanta and L.A. by name, and now he's it's time to bomb Philadelphia, and his wife is a Marine, mm-hmm. and she's going to be one of the ones. Um, she's gathered at Lincoln Fieldhouse or whatever it is. And, and she didn't want to. Uh, he, he says that she didn't want to go in there and, and, and liquidate all the people I missed. Mm-hmm. So I made a choice. I killed my wife and the 4,000 other Marines. Do you think we'll ever find out more about that? Like, was that a conversation they had? Was that like, she's like, I don't want to do this, hunt, and he had no way to stop it except for to kill her, and he, she'd rather die, or like, I, I, I wonder, because like, why didn't she just desert? Oh, yeah. Like, if he, or is this a snap decision he made? Like, I, 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 the, I had follow-up questions, and I don't know if we'll ever get the answers to it. I don't think so, because his, head explodes at the end of this episode true yeah i don't i don't see them ever going back to that but i I also like i also listener if you're only if you're just listening and watch every time uh jim says he held at knife point you have to understand that it's actually rick's (laughs) giant black dildo hand with the knife coming out of it that's that's what the knife knife he he holds that sex toy point Uh. um so uh, the other thing I really like is here's the dark meat versus light meat. This is the you know first episode where he's like you know talking to Merle. Them. You don't understand oh, yeah. it. We ain't them. Yeah, mm-hmm. this philosophy oh. and uh, Akafor Okafor hurls it right back at him because he's like these aren't my. They're your people. It's your problem. He's like all the living are your people, Rick. Mm-hmm. And Rick can't like what's he going to say? This is his own fucking philosophy coming back at him. Yeah, no, it's true. Um the thing I don't understand about it is Okafor keeps claiming that he made the choice. You made the choice. You made, and Rick is saying, my choice is my wife. My choice is my family. My choice is getting the hell out of here by any means necessary. That is my choice. And he says, you made the choice. Saying you made the choice does not make it true. Right. No matter you how many saw, times yeah. and how forcefully you say it and how personally true it is for you, yeah. Rick has not made that choice. I don't understand yeah. this. 
Well, he didn't hear the voiceover where Rick said, I'm going to play along. But so he, yeah, I think Okafor is like really wounded that he signed the CRM draft paper or whatever. Oh, yeah. Okay. That could be. The the man who's tried to escape eight times has done (laughs) subterfuge. And only because he sacrifice his hand to get away will break a promise. Oh, no. Yeah. And only because you. Only because Esteban suggested it. Rick's far too dumb to do that kind of subterfuge otherwise. So true. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it's just that. He feels like he he thought he had a true blue uh, leader in Rick, and turns out he was just using that as an escape plan. Yeah. I I do like Rick's uh, sideways acting here. I mean, he is fully horizontal Mm -hmm. in this frame (laughs) to match Mm -hmm. the horizontal position of Okafor. But when they give you a wide shot, I mean, he I can't even get my neck. I, look, I'm not as old as he is. Maybe that just happens when you get to 50, but impressive how sideways yeah. he gets. Yeah. Yeah. Move over, Paul Giamatti. <laughs> yep. Uh, he doesn't need any uh, Merlot to get there. I'll tell you that. And the other thing, so this is where the light meet, dark meet at the beginning of the conversation and in the, the conversation where Rick tries to retreat to, I don't, you know, it's like, this is your path to power and Rick's, I don't want power. And it's like, well, too bad you already got it, which has been Rick's curse. Yep. Rick has always been a leader, has always been a soldier. He doesn't want to be any of those things, but it is what he's good at. And ever, it, this has kind of largely been a story of him being punished whenever he runs away from that destiny. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, and here he seemingly is going to embrace it and then be punished for that. So, uh, so Thorne busts into Rick's apartment and shows him a TV news report that says Omaha has fallen. And this causes Thorne to declare that secrecy is vital to survival and to smash another glass next to his head again. Um, yeah, at first I thought this was going to be her being like the CRM's evil, blah blah blah. Obviously, but it's like no, it's the other. She's going the other way. Where like this, this actually, I was skeptical of their plan and need for secrecy and all this stuff. But this just proves what happened to Omaha. Just proves what we that we're doing. We're we're what we're on the right path. By the end of the episode, what's your feeling on Omaha? Do you think, think that the CRM, the CRM did it? Do you think? It? Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so. This is where I get to like. No, I, there's, all, there's one other bit. possibility I would accept, which is there's a rogue military, <laughs> the Canadian Republic military, that's coming down the border, and there is a huge border. There's a huge war between the CRM and this other thing, and o- Omaha was the battle line. Okay, but because they're saying it. they're telling us that there is two points that were exploded, mm-hmm. and then there was like a fight, a non-zombie fight that led to the the central city collapsing. To me, that says some outside force engineered this. It could be the CRM, or it could have been the CRM trying to fight that force, but it's not or, a zombie horde. No, I don't think it's a zombie horde. They don't typically cause explosions, although these, well, these burning embers, yeah, burning, yeah, yeah never ignited know. deltas. Uh, the other possibility, I think, is could be internal conflict, right? You have some dissidents within the society. <laughs> that is a staple of Walking Dead storytelling. Sure. And they talk about uh, their, you know, that this goes hand in hand with him talking about re- reaching tipping points, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know how far they're going to go on this particular plot. I read a little bit about this. and I kind of know things, so I won't. 
Okay. Spo- as much some, as you can be spoiled for a show that's already told you everything. Like I'm, I'm trying to let people who, because I imagine there's a lot of people who are just coming back yeah. to this. They probably know. I've heard from many fans that said that we stopped when you stopped and we never came back. But I am kind of curious about da da da. And so I, I, I got some spoilery feedback, and I know some things too. But I'm going to keep those out of the podcast until the show wants us to know. That's how I'm going at this because I'm guessing that this audience is going to be 10 times that of the world behind beyond. So we'll, fu- yeah. we'll, we'll see if, if it turns I, out only 500,000 people are watching this, I might give less a fuck, but I just don't, I hope that people don't mistake her statements here for actual reason, because it's the piss poorest reasoning I've ever heard. No. Like yeah. Omaha let people know where they were and they died. I don't know who did this, but the CR is alive and Omaha is dead. So secrets must work. Like, yeah, none of that stuff follows from the initial from the premise so like yeah yeah doesn't she seems to be if there is kool-aid to be drunk here she seems to be drinking it oh Um, about a gallon yeah has anybody seen michonne Eh, we'll be right back Has anyone spotted Rick? We're back with the ones who live. Yeah, and I do wonder because this is all coming from like Civic Republic news stations. There is there's no outside reporting going on, right? You can't go yeah. to like Al Jazeera and find out a different perspective or something. It's all CR Ooh, that's, stuff. That's where Esteban's muckraking journalist wife is going to come in handy. I bet. I bet she will. Um, I will say this that you, you know um, people who were listening not watching might be like what the hell there's a young there's a little girl running with a zombie horde oh yeah they got an explanation for that okay she was she was they were hiding out at a museum of natural history or some shit and uh, zombies happen like they do and all of the group got bit and she got scared and she hid inside or underneath a giant sculpture of a grasshopper and those grasshoppers have sharp leg pieces and in the zombies attempt to get to the girl they tore themselves to shred on these zomb- grasshopper spikes it's hilarious because the second time I watched I noticed that her mom and dad zombie had these spikes just sticking out at every angle of their face like nice. this yeah. must have been the bristliest fucking grasshopper the world's ever seen <laughs> but they, it, they, they tore themselves to pieces to get to her and they showered her with their blood and guts so that she inadvertently. I like this. Yeah. Yeah. She glinned, so she I, glinned I, herself. I think in context, the story is ridiculous. I don't understand. Like, is the point of your story, there are better places to be oh yeah it's it's like, shutting like rick up inside a sculpture for instance yeah no rick is bitching and moaning about his lot in life and she's like we'd all rather to be the different people they're different places with different people like this little girl but yeah it's it's just yeah i but, but yeah i i do like the guts stuff right and i'm talking about season one Mm-hmm. episode two i i forget the episode but it's like early on it's called guts yeah, yeah. and they discover that if you cover yourself in guts and they use it throughout the the series the zombies won't detect you mm-hmm. it's kind it's kind of neat that that comes back in and i'm not yeah. even sure that she registers the actual meaning of it like she might think it's just some fluke that 
oh, she didn't get torn to shreds for some reason. Or that is really her mom and dad still in there? Because like she was like, you know, like it seemed like she was staying with that flock uh-huh. because and she was anguished when her mom and dad got killed by Rick. So, yeah, yes. I mean, she's a real young girl. She's like seven, eight, maybe. So that's all fucked up and sad. Yeah. And I don't know how much of that uh, thorn glass blaster is registering either. I, I do wonder. She got, the, she got the blast out of the glass at the end of the scene, though. She, I, yeah. And so. I think the reason they had her throw two glasses is foreshadowing, right? Like, she's just a person who likes to throw glasses, and so Rick's going to have a piece of glass laying around his apartment later in the episode where he can attempt to cut his throat. Like, ah, I never put that together. That's where he got the glass. But you don't need to foreshadow it. Just have her angrily throw a glass. She doesn't have to be the person who throws glasses. Sure, sure, yeah. Also, That's I don't really need, stupid. in the zombie apocalypse, I don't need you to explain where Andrew Lincoln got a shard of glass. True. Yeah. I, I You know what? I'm not living around. in a zombie apocalypse. I'm sure I can go outside my apartment complex, or my apartment front door right now within 250 feet, find a shard of glass to kill myself with. Because we're living <laughs> also, in a boring apocalypse, it turns out. So, yeah. yeah. I, I have no, no problems believing in the shell of Philadelphia. You could find some broken fucking glass. I mean, he's in a glass cage. He's in the, the apartment has windows. He could break a window and get glass if he really wanted to kill himself. Like he's not going to have to pay for it. There's not going to be any repercussions if he kills himself with broken glass shards from a window. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the other question I have after like taking in the entirety of these two episodes and specifically this girl's story, because the story here is said like. She was living in this museum. Everything was hunky-dory. And then from inside the museum, they were attacked, which to me rings back to the prison where they had somebody inside, get sick, die, rise up and start attacking them. In a city of 200,000 people, what protocols does the CR have in place to deal with inevitable routine zombies rising within their walls? I would love that's exactly what I'd like to know. Does everyone sleep with the doors locked? I mean, they, they, they would have to be. Yeah, there would have to be protocols everywhere because what it happens midday, you know, I mean, what if somebody walks off and ends up ground up in the machinery or some shit? They lose their hand. They bleed to death. It's not just, oh, when we go to sleep, we close our doors. It's like protocols everywhere. I think it's I think it's easy to shut shit down in the middle of the day where you got the cops and the military up and everybody's seeing what's going on. We're at night where it's like, you know, if, if everyone's sleeping their doors open and an entire apartment complex gets nom nommed, now you got a mm-hmm. whole apartment complex that's spilling out into the streets all at once. Like that's Dawn of the that's Dead tougher than someone having a heart attack in the middle of a public area and everyone knows like, oh shit, we're in a zombie apocalypse. Someone needs to go, jump up there at the knife and knife him or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. But I, but to your point, I, I wish they would, I really would like to see like what funerary customs they have, what kind of dormitory arrangements they have. Like, how are they mitigating this risk? Yeah. I don't know. Um, so now is when we see the opening scene once again with Rick deciding not to cut his throat with glass. And then he explains to Michonne in what we now come to know as his final letter to her why he didn't kill himself and why he stopped trying to escape. Because, uh, yeah, just be a waste. Like, if I can't get back to you, why kill myself? You know, why not 
devote myself to what's ahead, which is a lot of blood and rotors and gun oil, but also maybe a future that can help other people. And mm -hmm. it's a kind of neat montage of them taking this, like his mission is to spend this next year to build this college into this forward operating base. Um, well, did they mention where the college is from? I think they did. And I completely, uh, cascades and the cascades. Okay. So mm -hmm. I'm in New York. Um, so yeah, I think that's, it's, it's cool to see that kind of build and, and you know, it's, it's a good way to yada yada through the time. Yeah. But then he burns, he burns a letter, all the cell phone carvings, all that stuff's gone now. Yep. He tried, he failed. And now he's embracing something new. Uh, so then he, that night he dreams of Michonne again on the park bench and he proposes, like I said, without a ring, but with the promise of five large pizzas, and then his dream turns immediately into a nightmare. Uh, th they kiss also. I, is this him kissing her goodbye? Like, yeah, I, I think her catching on fire and burning um, at the same, right after he burnt like his memories of her, I think this is really strong evidence for your first in interpretation that this is his brain making peace with the fact that he's giving up the possibility of ever seeing her again. Yeah. And I think it does pretty good job of reinforcing that along with the letter you know mm. i it, it it shows how sweet the thing that they could have had would have been but also combined with the letter it, it's mm. tragic uh, and then rick we we go to now where rick is flying oak four up the coast in a helicopter he tells the story of the night that his father burned down the farm to collect insurance money so his family could eat uh Okafor leaves him with a warning to guard his morals before he explodes into a shower of blood and gore inside the chopper. Uh, chopper's down by missiles. Rick survives the crash and is attacked by someone who turns out to be Michonne. Yeah. Uh, man, these, these backstories, soliloquies, again, they're just gone all the time. Gonzo, like Rick just starts the story. And I'm like, where is this going? And he's like, well, my granddaddy burnt down a farm and he came to me in the middle of the night and he's a monster half burnt over 50% of his body. And he says, don't worry, Rick, this burnt mullet, this burnt millet is going to save our farm. Don't you worry, son. I got you. And then my daddy lived a whole life and died. And I found out from mom on his deathbed that uh, he started a fire. And I'm like, this is fucking insane. What is the what is the point of this story? And I the think point? it's that you sometimes have to, to save something. You have to sacrifice and have scars and pain. And he's saying that he essentially burnt his life to protect the future millet crops of the CRM. Yeah. He absorbed that pain and he lived with it. He did what he needed to do. Yeah. And yeah. But for his family, Rick, for his family. Well, the whole world's his family now. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I know, so, yeah. I know it's, it's dubious at best. This could just as easily like be the speech where he stabs Thor or not Thorin, uh, Oak four in the head and says, I'm taking this chopper and I'm going back to Alexandria because he could right. just take this chopper. Yeah. What is the CRM civilization equivalent of committing insurance fraud to save a farm? Oh, um, 
See, my daddy, my daddy also wasn't that good with finances. So every four or five years on schedule, farm cars get kept on fire again, turns out. My daddy kept on. By the time he was done, he was burnt over 99% of his body. Yeah, it's uh, losing helicopter pieces. Losing, mm. quote unquote, helicopter pieces and then taking them and constructing your own private helicopter to escape. I don't know. Uh, so here's where the Omaha thing I think tips its hand a little, in my opinion, or might. Okay. If you're interested, um, when Okafor is talking after, afterward, when Rick is like, "I'm, I'm in," and he says something about like, "That's great, Rick. Uh, that that's great, Rick. There'll be no more Omahas, no more, or no, no more whatevers, no more Omahas." And Rick looks over at him like, "No more Omahas." Like this is on the hands of the CRM, right. or potentially on the hands of Okafor himself. Yeah, which is interesting in the context of Okafor. Is he doing what he needs to do to get by as a CRM spy by burning cities, which is exactly what he defected to not do earlier? When they said the swear on a sword, I wonder if there is some kind of secret society induction where Terry O'Quinn draws a blade and you have to like swear the to keep the blade close or whatever and and do whatever the CRM yeah. tells you to. That might be what those three, uh, those blood stripes are about on their uniform. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's one more secret. Uh, and that's, that's like, mm-hmm. yeah, the Echelon report, whatever the hell that is. Yeah, Force Command, the Echelon report. But we also, heard, we also heard the General Meade, General Major Meade say that the people who burnt the people destroyed the cities and intent to save more monsters worse than the delts. So it's like, how deep does hypocrisy go? Yeah. I don't know, man. We'll find out. I, I'm certain that although he is credited as a guest star, I'm certain mm-hmm. we will see more Terry O'Quinn. Hell yeah. Uh, okay. One thing that bothered me, and this is where my grace comes in. This is where mm-hmm. my grace really just has to go into overdrive here to, to stomach the end of this episode. Michonne happens upon the very helicopter that Rick is in. That's a big-ass country, man. Big-ass country. Maybe she has some information. Maybe she... And and I do like the touch where she downs this helicopter and she goes person to person, pulling off masks, and then killing them when she knows it's not Rick. So they, they cover their bases there, but... I thought the, she killed just, a couple dudes without looking at masks. Are you sure that she was doing that for every dude? It, it might be off screen, but something also, about the motion and the amount of time it took to kill those guys says how bad yes would it me. how bad it would suck if Rick was sitting in the co-pilot seat when she's downing it yeah. down with what what I can only assume are Hawacha rockets. <laughs> yeah, they must be. We're going back to they we're going to get the logo back the out. Watching dead. dead. <laughs> that's what it looks like right they're yeah. these like imp- these these tubes filled with explosives these rocket tubes it's gotta be I mean th- here's the problem I never thought that a Huacha would be capable of piercing the armor on a military helicopter like these things are typically hawk. Kevlar lined are they I, yeah military helicopters depending on their their like those lift capacity have they had, the variable amounts of armor I, I thought that the uh, the Blackhawks are pretty. Uh, may, maybe the cockpit does have Kevlar, though. I don't know. I thought. I, thought I mean, you're not pretty... going to get through it 
with a bottle rocket with a pointy tip on it. True. Like, is my point. True. Like, even if it's True. just helicopter skin, I don't think you're going to get yeah. anything through that that is homemade. But, I mean, watches were homemade. Yeah, you shoot enough. You shoot enough. You know, watches have like 80 rounds, you know? You get, you just get to get lucky. You get lucky in one of those. Or three or four I guess in this so. case. How also she, must be, she had a Hawacha set up waiting for this help. She must have had information. Oh, she had to. She's like the Joker. She's got it all planned out. And yeah. she's got a handheld Hawacha because she's also <laughs> sending those rockets out once they are on the ground <laughs> the, trying to defend the Hawacha. The Hawacha. The handheld Hawacha. The Hawacha. Uh huh. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. She does have a handheld Hawacha. We can see it in the next time on. Oh, does uh, it, oh, I didn't see it, that. It looks like a, like you have a rocket launching uh, or a grenade launching shotgun, that kind of thing. Mm. Grenade launching okay. rifle. She's got something that looks like that. Does it look steampunk homemade or is it like a piece of a... Mm-mm. Not that I saw. Maybe. Because like that's the other thing is like didn't one of the things that she found when she was with the guy who tried to poison her with the apple, wasn't that like a military depot or an ammo depot? Like the oh, navy, I thought, like there that's was not a where naval they learned weapons. how to make anvils no, and shit, no, no, right? no, no, or car no. wheels. No, 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 no. But I think okay. I think that that island was like where a naval wep- weapons depot was at, or something. Oh, oh, the island where she was like psychologically tortured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the poison apple. Oh, right. It was an apple. I forgot about that. Maybe she uh, got it there. Maybe. Or maybe she got it wandering with the wagon people. That, that's uh, the thing like i'm i'm extending a little grace i'm not gonna say this is stupid i'm gonna wait and i'll say it's I stupid assume, next episode <laughs> i assume next episode is going to be michonne's backstory yeah it, it absolutely is yeah yeah and i like that i, I kind of like splitting them up here i think that's gonna uh-huh. feel pretty good i just hope that her story is not too insane it's, it's not both like the a story backstory. of them trying not to lose hope and go and, you know, and Michonne's got the even harder job because at any time she just give up and go back to the rest of their family. She's got all of her <laughs> friends, her children are waiting out exile and she knows that whereas Rick can't get out. So, she arguably should be back home right now. You could make and her that children. <laughs> yeah. Send fucking Feral Daryl out after the CRM. You take yeah. care of your guy, the kids, man, the kids. Okay. Yep. You don't want Daryl Ray. Do you want Daryl Negan raising your children? <laughs> Definitely not. Maggie's insane too. She ran off with Negan, mm-hmm. apparently, went to go see New York. Mm-hmm. Anyway. But yeah, uh, that's it for the episode. We will see Michelle's or Michelle, Michonne's story next time. Um, shall we get the feedback? Oh, we have feedback? Okay. I we forgot. have one piece of feedback, twd at baldmove.com, if you would like to get in your licks as we go on through the season, twd at baldmove.com. Also, if you want to know what else we're doing, hint, uh, this week we're starting the uh, Shogun Project on FX Hulu, and also we're watching part two of Dune. Uh, that's all going to be happening this week. If you want to know what we're doing on a week-to-week basis, check out our social media at bald move wherever you get social media and then if you'd like to support us and get ad free feeds special features uh bonus content etc support.baldmove.com help us keep potting the casts casting the pods whatever bill from aurora illinois says the one who live pilots easy to easily the best thing out of the walking dead universe in multiple years Virtually every spinoff has been quite weak compared to the original walking dead but this one has rekindled my interest in the franchise I thought they did a pretty good job of introducing you to the universe of the CRM. Only a few things were missing, 
which will probably be revealed for the season for those who didn't watch The Walking Dead World Beyond, which is, parenthetically, he says, a god-awful series. So he includes some background information, some of it that I didn't think was super spoily. I'm going to share some of it that I did think was spoilery. Again, if you you know, want, want to preserve the mysteries of the ones who live and you haven't seen the world beyond, then uh, I've, I've sanitized it for you. He says, Omaha was a city that had a lot of scientists in it, and the CRM sent the smartest of the scientists somewhere out east to search for a cure for the zombie virus. A particularly brutal plot point was eventually revealed that they also took some of the survivors from Omaha and use them as guinea pigs to see how people turn into zombies and whether they could heal them afterwards. Uh, also, although Jada did appear in the world beyond, I don't remember her being a part uh, as being particularly interested. She was basically someone in authority in charge of some of the military units at the secret base somewhere out east. I wonder if this is the we're seeing this outpost that Jadis is going to command or serve at, if that's what Rick's building. Could be. Could be. Um, I wonder if they've spoken since he got sent to the CRM because he was unconscious when she called him in. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he wasn't, as far as I know, on the world beyond, so he really couldn't. He could just jump right to beating the piss out of her. And honestly, I could get behind that. Yeah. Um, there's some chance that the forward training base mentioned in the pilot episode of the ones who live turned out to be this base, but we don't know yet. I'm quite pumped. Pumped quite pumped after the pilot episode of the ones who live. I wait with great interest as they show how Michonne ended up with the group she ended up with and somehow acquired weapons that can shoot down a helicopter with missiles. Hotcha. Uh, yeah, me too. I can't wait for next week's episode. Um, I am really chuffed and, uh, and way higher in this episode than I thought I'd be again. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of walking dead bullshit, but this is about the best I could hope for out of this project. So yeah, relatively little walking dead bullshit. I would say, yeah, and if and if it's going to hurt us, we're going to got five more things that can hurt us. You know, mm-hmm. I I can take five of whatever the Walking Dead can dish out. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, we've already taken 150 of them. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm <laughs> like, saying. This is these are Rocky haymakers. That's right. And I'm, yeah. I'm just eating them, eating them like shredded wheat, Sh- like shredded. What is that fucking shit? M- mitter, miter, mullet, millet, millet. Eating it like yeah. frosted shredded millet. TWD at baldmove.com if you want to send feedback at baldmove for all the social medias and support us at support.baldmove.com. Next week, we'll find out, hopefully, what's been going on with the Michonne side of the ones who live. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you next week. See you next week.